0: Welcome to Scrap the Script, the podcast which unravels the outdated stories we tell about ourselves. This show is for all the serial checkbox stickers out there who are tired of playing by the rules and want something more. Hello, my dear friends. Whoa, what intense times. I say this with both a smile and a shiver. First, there was the great pause, where we all sheltered and took care of each other. And then the great uprising, reminding us that feeling safe is a luxury of the few. A privilege arbitrarily distributed, based on the color and location of the skin we were born in. And we can hide as much as we want right now, but the reality is out there. And the conversation is louder than ever before. Just as loud as the conversation is our reaction to it. There's so many emotions flying around at the moment. There's fear, there's agitation, there's helplessness, hope, excitement, rage, shame. And that's the core of groundbreaking conversations. No matter how needed, how important, how much we agree with their aim, they break our ground and shake our world. They ask us to reconsider the way we see ourselves, others, and society. In this episode, we will explore one specific emotion that is particularly loud at the moment. We'll be looking at shame. As Brené Brown wisely says about conversations around race, you cannot have that conversation without shame because you cannot talk about race without talking about privilege. And when people start talking about privilege, they get paralyzed by shame. Yet getting paralyzed, my friends, is the opposite of what we want right now. Shame is one of the greatest obstacles to change. This is why moving beyond shame is the practice we all urgently need. In this episode, we'll be looking at the biology of shame. We'll understand where it comes from and the three main reasons why it is so dysfunctional, especially when it arises within a social movement we'll then be looking at a five-step process that will help you move beyond shame. My aim is for this episode to provide you with a tool that you can apply when shame arises so that you know how to respond to it mindfully and you can spend your energy and effort not on fighting the shame but rather on doing the work that you really care about. Let's Do this. Rising from the grip of shame, an internal revolution for connection and impact. On a Tuesday morning on March 2nd, I posted a meditation on allowing ourselves to let in happiness. A few seconds after pressing send, I saw my feed getting flooded with black squares, silence and grief. Blackout Tuesday. Damn, I told myself, this is not the right day for this. I removed the post. In the following minutes, I scrolled through Instagram, half reading people's statements, half wondering what to do next. Should I post too? Should I not? Would I be a hypocrite if I did? Should I donate to charity and not let anybody know? Is donating really the best thing I can do? What book can I buy? The flood of thoughts grew louder, stronger. I posted a black square. Some words, imperfect as ever, uncomfortable, doubtful. Sadness washed over me, accompanied by an itch to do more. What happened next really surprised me. As the minutes turned into hours and the hours into days, I found myself obsessively returning to the feed, scrolling through people's responses to what was happening. Inhaling all the information like a tornado sucks up all it finds on its way, blindly. And as my brain tried to process the facts, the opinions, the experiences, my body slowly turned colder. The deep sadness, the grief, the fire which had sparked my initial wanting to act was being swept away by a sort of dullness. My mind felt clouded. My heart beat strange, waves of lukewarm nausea swirling in my stomach. Suddenly, I felt smaller, friable, frozen. Ah, shame. According to the Oxford Dictionary, shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behaviour. We feel shame when we violate norms and values that we believe in, or when we simply don't know how to conform to them. These can be overt norms or norms that we have internalized and have become our personal rules for how to think, feel and behave. Shame can also be a patterned reaction within us, or it can be triggered when our actions and ideas are criticized by others, whether in person or online. And shame is different than guilt. While guilt says the fault is in your actions, shame says the fault is in you. Guilt, you have done something wrong versus shame, there is something wrong with you. While guilt can trigger you to look for remedy or amends so you can fix the issue, shame tells you there is nothing you can do to fix you. What's interesting is that when the correct way to respond is not clear, guilt can actually turn into shame. This emotional shift is more likely the bigger the issue and the more people witness the response. Well, that sounds like many of us might be here right now. But it's not only about what we do. Shame can also be felt vicariously. We may feel shame for actions or words of other people we are allied with or who are associated with us in one way or another such as friends, family, people who share a nationality, or who share our skin color. Research suggests that shame is a global feeling known across all countries and cultures. And it shows similar facial expressions and bodily reactions. However, as you can imagine, what triggers the shame varies greatly based on local and historical norms. So what's the point of shame? Well, shame can be useful in small doses. For example, when it makes us more aware of a certain behavior that we want to change or that someone else is asking us to review. However, because of our learned response to it, most often than not, shame is dysfunctional. Let's see why. Number one, by saying there is something wrong with you rather than with your action, shame turns your attention inward. As I was scrolling through my feed and moving into shame, I was moving away from the real world and into a virtual world where it all became about me. I was letting my terror to be judged and my angst of not knowing what to do override my ability to act. Suddenly, the fear was greater than the intention. I was stuck. Indeed, research suggests shame makes us less able to attend to what is going on around us. The second shame surfaces, our capacity for perspective and empathy takes a hit. As a result, we become less able to connect to others and to respond appropriately to the world around us. By disconnecting from reality, shame also tends to become much larger than the situation would warrant. This is particularly so when we feel ashamed of something we can't change, like the color of our skin. Two, The natural response to shame is to protect. Shame can be particularly crippling. We feel confused, unworthy, exposed, inadequate. Shame makes us feel extremely vulnerable and the natural response is one of fencing. The word shame itself derives from the Proto-Germanic word scam, which means to cover, and points to our longing to hide, even from ourselves. Depending on what protection mechanism we have learned, and that is often learned during our upbringing, we may find ourselves moving against the shame, towards the shame, or away from it. This may look like responding aggressively, obsessively seeking approval, or most commonly by withdrawing and shutting down completely. In paintings and novels, shame is often represented by a covering gesture over the eyes, a downcast gaze and a slack posture. The sad thing here is that while shame often hides a fear of being rejected, our response to shame itself can often push others away, making our worst fear come true. In the words of psychoanalyst Carl Jung, shame is a soul eating emotion. Three, shame can turn into a trap. Here's an extract from the book, The Little Prince, which shows this quite well. So in the book, the prince comes across a drunk. Why are you drinking? Demands the prince. So that I may forget, replies the drunk. Forget what? Inquires the prince. Forget that I'm ashamed, the drunk confesses. Oh, ashamed of what? Insists the prince. Ashamed of drinking. Shame breeds shame. Shame can make us act impulsively, and in order to avoid the shame, we eat too much, shop excessively, or numb with substances. All of these behaviors can then trigger further shame. We may also seek secrecy and silence in the hope of not getting discovered, but secrecy and silence themselves are fertile grounds for shame to grow even more. And beyond being a self-reinforcing cycle, Shame is sometimes seen as being contagious. Indeed, people who themselves feel ashamed are more likely to shame others, and by doing so, spreading shame across groups and online communities. Right, so we've gathered that one, shame makes it all about you, two, shame makes you protect and disconnect, and three, shame can become a trap and be contagious. I just want to take a second here to mention that I'm aware that a lot of the messages out there are not aimed at shaming people. In this moment of big uncertainty where many of us want to act, but are not sure how to, we're all just trying to do and say what we can. Some of us may feel called to act directly while others want to raise awareness so that they may encourage others to act. But while many messages may not be aimed at shaming, exposing any sort of truth that had not yet been seen and digested by the majority, has the potential to trigger shame. And exposing the truth being at the core of social movements, unfortunately, social movements lose a lot of allies to shame. And just to make it worse, shame is more common in women than men and in young adults. And you may have guessed, these are often the people who would benefit the most from the outcome of social movements. And therefore, shame has the potential to trigger the loss of key members of society. So how can we stop the trance of shame? How can we make sure that what is happening in the world remains a movement of empowerment, awakening and connection rather than one of further divide, of retreat, of fear, and of reactivity. I believe the revolution starts within, and we need tools to help us out of the slump of shame, so that shame may become a pointer, a messenger, a doorway to deeper understanding and real and lasting transformation, for this movement and all the social movements that are coming our way. As Robin D'Angelo similarly says about discomfort, in her book about white fragility. The key to moving forward is what we do with our discomfort. We can use it as a door out, blame the messenger and disregard the message, or we can use it as a door in by asking why does this unsettle me? Here, I'll be sharing five steps that you can implement right now. I've conveniently organized them into the acronym SHAME so that you can remember the steps better. See it, honor it, analyze it, make it known, and elevate it. Some of the steps will have questions that you can explore, so you can either go through the process right now, pausing for each question, or you can go through it completely, note down what resonates most, and come back when you're ready. Let's go. One, see it. We need to talk more about shame. Kids need to know about it and adults need to speak about it. Crucially, we need to know it so that we can recognize it. So that when we are in the middle of doing something and shame cripples us, freezes us, disconnects us, we can clearly see that shame is at play. By knowing how it acts, we can become better at knowing when it's here. Recognition is the first step to set ourselves free from the grip of shame. Two, honor it. In the words of Sufi poet Rumi, the dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. We cannot close the door on shame. Otherwise, it will make us close the door on action. Once we know it's here, we need to be brave enough to welcome it in. We need to feel it to experience it. Sounds uncomfortable? Hell yeah! But isn't a bit of discomfort better than continuously feeling frustrated not to get past it? One way to invite it in is to get curious. And note, how is shame impacting your thoughts, your sensations, your actions or inactions? Think about a recent experience of shame. Here's a few questions you can ask yourself. Thoughts, what thoughts does shame trigger in you? What is it saying about you, about the world around you? Sensations, how does shame feel in your body? What are the obvious areas of tension and numbness? Is your chest tight, your breath shallow, your shoulders hunched? Emotions, what is the shame making you feel? What emotion does it trigger in you? Is there fear, anger, agitation? Action. What impulse does it trigger? How does it want you to act? Is it making you want to take back control, to seek approval or withdraw completely? What impulses can you notice? As you're exploring the biology of shame, don't respond to any of it. Just observe, understand. Learn that feeling the feeling is not optional, but reacting to it is. By leaning into shame, you give yourself a choice. To catch or to be caught. Three, analyze it. Get out your magnifying glasses. This is the investigation bit. If we can explore where shame is coming from without over-identifying with it, we can use shame as a portal to deeper layers of understanding. We can challenge the information it's bringing to us and reduce its hold on us. Here's some leads to investigate the event, the story, the source and the longing. Event. What was the triggering situation? What about the situation made shame surface? Make note of this so you know when this might happen again. Story. Back to your thoughts. What is the story shame carries? What is it the most afraid of? Now check. Is the story true? Can you be absolutely sure it's true? What may be an alternative story? Source. Where does the shame come from? Where have you learned to feel this way? What other experiences is it bringing to mind? Is the same applicable here? Longing. What is the shame hoping to achieve? If the shame wasn't there, what would you have to feel? What lays underneath the shame? What are you truly longing for in this situation? You may find that you actually just want to get this right because you really care. You may realize in this process that under the shame is fear to make a mistake, fear to not live up to the values you set yourself, fear to be abandoned and left behind. You may find that what you truly want is to be safe, to be worthy, to belong. This information will allow you to go beyond the shame and bring reality back to the paralysis of shame. Four, Make it known. Because shame's natural reaction is to disconnect. Connection is one of the most powerful antidotes to it. And since shame is universal, people will inevitably be be able to relate to what you are feeling. So jump right in. Call a person you trust and share the feeling. Admit the wrongdoing if there is one. Burn in the fire of shame if that is what is required. See yourself get healed by the caring attention of another person, by the power of sharing and the light of understanding. And as Brené Brown says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame simply cannot survive. Five, elevate it. Recognizing, feeling, understanding and speaking about shame are the keys to go against shame's natural reaction to go undetected. Our aim here is to build a new pathway for when shame is triggered, so that you can move from being struck and stuck towards wisdom, knowing, and compassionate action. By building a new reaction to it, shame may become not bad news, but a signal that there is something that needs your full attention. So at the end of this process, when you are no longer in the depth of the trance of shame, ask yourself, how can you make sure that you will go through this process next time shame arises? Is there a way you could make this process more yours? Have a little reminder that you can give yourself in those moments. And then thinking back to the situation that triggered shame, now that you are out of the slump of it, What is one thing you can do right now? Whether we want it or not, shame is going to be triggered. Everywhere in the world, those difficult conversations are already happening. About race, about migration, about the environment, about faith, about the distribution of wealth, about the definition of justice, about the harm of inaction these conversations will burn our beliefs alive. We will feel discomfort, resistance, rejection, and on the other side lays real connection, real understanding, a world maybe less comfortable, but fairer, truer, more loving, and in line with how we truly want to treat each other. So today our responsibility as neighbors, as citizens, as humans, is to no longer disengage. Everyone needs to be part of the conversation. This fight is our fight. Our world is changing and your participation is no longer optional. As Maya Angelou said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. We can only know better if we try and fail and learn. We can only learn if we rise beyond the paralysis of the shame. So my dear friends, here's for you and for me. Let's do the bloody work. Do it your own way. Do it at your own pace. Do what you can, but do it. Let's end with the words from a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke. It's here. all the pieces of my shame that now I find myself again. Sending love and courage to you all.